Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. We've got another episode of Riverdale Roundup coming at you. Um, I feel like I've got a lot of things to say, but also a lot of things to yell about this episode. <laughs> uh, Is yeah. that just me? Happy yelling, angry yelling, some other kind of yelling. All different kinds. Also, I have to say immediately about last week's episode, didn't even realize that the thing in the uh, the. Queens of Sacred, Mer- what is it? Que- Sisters of Sacred Mercy. S- Sisters the of Qu- Quiet Mercy. Sisters of Quiet Mercy. That it was a Heather's reference. I know. I feel like such an idiot. I know. I I'm do such too. an idiot. Everyone We're such was an like, idiot. "What's like, wrong God with you two? I like, know, but I'm the, sorry. You're right. The thing is, like, Heather's was never one of those movies that I like watched over and over and over and over again. Um, like, I've certainly yeah. seen Heather's and love Heather's, but like. It was not like my clueless or something. And so, you know, as somebody, I think one of the listeners said, did these two not worship at the altar of Heathers? And I just, I, 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 I did love Heathers, but I did not officially worship at the altar of Heathers. No, and I immediately went back and rewatched Heathers this week because I was like, man, I feel like such an idiot. Um, but also Heathers is a great movie. Yeah. And I'm glad that I rewatched it, but I did feel very, very dumb because I'm like, sometimes you watch these shows you watch Riverdale and I'm just like I'm so sucked into the idea that is Riverdale that I forget that anything else exists. Right, well, and I forget that one of the things that makes Riverdale fun is that it's constantly making references to other shows, you know, like right. even in its casting, it is constantly making references to other teen dramas. But I, right, I get so sucked into the world itself that I forget that basically Riverdale is like a, is like a, it's like a thesis. It's like a cultural, like collage of like all teen Everything drama else. from the last twenty to thirty years, you know. And and it's always referencing and and, it, and also the actual Archie comics. And it's always referencing all of these different things. And like, but I'm just like, what Jughead doing this week, you know? And I like, I totally lose perspective. Oh, completely. Even like down to the fact that I, I, I don't even realize it's like in in the shop in this actual episode. Apparently, Fangs is reading a Bucky O'Hare comic that is a part of the Riverdale Archie world. It's like they put little details into everything even though there's just so many storylines that they don't even follow ever again <laughs> but they still put such detail into so many little things because it's brilliant this show you know what i'm saying it this is not, this was not one of my favorite episodes but this show is goddamn brilliant 
Yeah, this was not one of my favorite episodes either, but I did have a realization. I had like an epiphany this episode. Uh, Ooh, that do tell. Well, something that used to bother me about Riverdale, this time I just realized that it shouldn't bother me anymore, which is that like, you know, in Riverdale, it's like this, uh, you know, they all like... Archie solves all the crimes, you know, and he fights all the crimes himself. And the the, the teens fight, you know, so, are, are the detectives and the newspaper and all that. And like they, but like my epiphany was like they live in this kind of like gunless or mostly gunless, like a ninety seven percent gun free world, and like where where gangs are like cosplay, uh, yes. you know, like and and uh, and it's all and. and you know, and so sometimes that frustrates me because I'm like, this is so dumb. But then what I realized, I just kind of let it go today watching it. And it was like, it's like a it's like it's like a 50s fantasy where everything can be solved with like a rumble, you know, and and it, oh, yeah. And I, I and it's so obvious to say, but I hadn't really realized it because it presents as this like gritty, you know, teen, dark, sexy drama about serial killers. Mm-hmm. But in fact, everything can be solved with a rumble and everything is in the realm of like teen you know, teen fist fights and there is no violence worse than a fist fight in Riverdale, which is great. And like until fact, this episode, until this episode, but like the fact that it, that it exists in kind of like, like kind of like a grease, it's kind of like dark, sexy grease or something, you know, like yeah. it's not even as scary. It's better than that, Molly. It is, but it's, it's goddamn better than that. It's like not even as dark or sad as like the outsiders, you know, it's like just purely like take like, <laughs> take like a 50s fantasy of like what teenhood was like and then just but set it in 2019, but make it as innocent as the 50s dream was and that is what Riverdale is. Oh hell yeah, they are, they are definitely living in a dream world, especially now that we are getting up close with Edgar Everett Ever, which I had to just oh my god, when Cheryl said count him among the hot dads of Riverdale because <laughs> Edgar Everett Ever is a tasty snack, which I love that it's it is I feel like it is getting more uh what is it like self-referential or like more self-aware self-aware for sure because it is it's just such attractive so many attractive daddies in this now yeah and especially when we have this opening shot where the serpents but now are the cops of the town kind of are going through their drill with two of the sexiest of the daddy brigades Sheriff Keller and FP and they're going through the high school and Sheriff Keller has a ray gun? What are those? Uh, (laughs) Spots. What is it? A spot gun. Uh, Yeah, what is it? I... I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the word for it is. I don't even know. Spot I some, yeah. <laughs> They're training the used-to-be drug ring gang to now be the good guys, although throughout this episode, now they're not allowed to be on the streets. This is the so frustrating about this episode. <laughs> they're like, for fucking weeks now, they're like, yeah, let's train the gang, the teen gang that used to be an adult gang, but now it's exclusively teens. Now it's only a teen gang. <laughs> let's train the teen gang to be the vigilante uh wing of the police department and so then the fucking teens go ahead and act like the fucking cops 
Also, which they had been doing before they were sanctioned by FP because Jughead has been solving crimes on his own for years. And so they go do what they've been doing, which is solve crimes on their own. And But they do it now in the guise of being like the police wing of the fucking, the teen wing of the of the Riverdale police. <laughs> of the police force. And FP's like, boy, what are you doing stepping on my investigation? Step back, boy. If you, you do this again, boy, I'm gonna... Take, I'm going to take away your vigilante license. Like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen, FP? <laughs> it was it was so funny, though. As if it's like you can't, you can't stop them from trying to, I guess now, get rid of all of the drugs out of Riverdale, which is, it's not going to happen, Jughead. Although I got to say, how sexy. I forget how sexy Jughead is without the goddamn hat on. When he was in that opening scene with his floppy hair, and which they definitely would have been murdered if um, Sheriff Keller was an actual person with a gun, which you saw later on in the episode now that guns are in Riverdale, but that's a whole other conversation. We'll get there. But... So now Jughead is trying to single-handedly, with his like very small group of serpents, take down the entire like all drug rings of Riverdale, which is it, it's an uphill battle for them. Which I'm, let's I'm sorry, it's an uphill raid for them. I'll say <laughs> because um, I don't know how they're planning on doing it, and the fact that uh. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Jughead is now going to uh, take down, he wants to take down Gladys Jones and the Gargoyles, even though how does FP have absolutely no idea that Gladys Jones is the head of the Fizzle Rock ring? Yeah, FP suddenly became the most naive know? man in town. Now, he Give him a house and he's like, I got the American dream and he has no idea what is happening right before his eyes who else does he think is the head of the drug ring because obviously it's on Hiram Hiram's in the middle of a bunch of other things and opening up the prison which I know that we've talked about loosely but it's like I completely forgot that the prison existed yeah that had really been put on the back burner the last we heard about it I think was when Hiram was like I have a man who's going to use the prison to manufacture playing cards. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were going to get into the playing card world, but now, because now he's not in the drug world anymore. But there's no way that playing cards is going to make as much money as drugs make. That's why you get into the drug business. But that's why you get into the private prison business, which will make lots of money, but it has not... Right, they had... Kind of put the idea of imprisoning people on the back burner, and it seemed like they were mostly if wanting to use the prison as just like a factory to manufacture other things. But then suddenly today, it turned into like a fully functioning, opened prison that also had a juvenile wing in it. Uh, and and oh, immediately, yeah, we'll get to that. all of Archie's old uh, friends at. Uh, the juvenile center were all transferred to Hiram's new prison, which is now, yeah, went from apparently like an abandoned playing card factory to a fully functioning, uh, you know, money-making private prison for children. I just have to say, too, Ronnie is really, really pissing me off as of late. (laughs) The fact that, like, her whole issue now is like, but family is everything, daddy, and you said that family was always the number one thing. All y'all have been doing is trying to fuck each other over from the very beginning. What are you talking about? Now family's a thing? Yeah. Now it's about a unified force? Now you want to take care of your mother even though you burned and got rid of all of the drugs she was in the middle of doing a deal with? 
Now family matters. I actually find this Ronnie's current plot plot line to be like very heavy handed and like not believable at all based on the entire fucking three years of Riverdale. Because, uh, yeah, like you said, they spent the last three years betraying each other at every turn. Um, you know, and like in the first season, think back to the first season and her relationship with her mom and with her dad. And they were like kind of hoping that her dad wouldn't even like get out of prison. And like, you know, it, like he, Ronnie wasn't like a you know, family, 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 Tony Soprano type of person. And then, you know, all I think because everything she's been doing has been so damn unbelievable with protecting her father. Now I feel like, you know, I feel like the writers just had to be like, oh, yeah, let's just say that it's because she's always valued family so much, even though I mean, I you know, it just doesn't seem it seems like they're trying to retroactively justify Veronica's completely inexplicable behavior. Exactly. Because you're because you're right. I feel like they're really trying to, you know, we've made our jokes over the past couple of years where they really intensify the like the Miha and like and like the the Latina side of the uh, of like Ronnie and their family. And now the fact that they're also bringing the the idea of that they are church going people into everything because they're trying to be and even when she made the reference of you wouldn't be the first mobster to go to therapy yeah, daddy that was fun it's like, it's like you're not the sopranos you're not the sopranos you are not the sopranos <laughs> well, i was just mostly proud of myself to get that reference i was like yeah tony soprano yeah tony soprano i know that one. Oh, bada bing gabagool <laughs> but you're not the sopranos you can't just all of a sudden start pretending like you are and especially when it's like but what would the church have to say about your divorce daddy which i knew was just a tactic for the, her parents not to get divorced but also in this day and age it's like Obviously, Hermione can take care of herself. She has her own alliances. I don't think she is as innocent as she's trying to make herself out to be in front of Ronnie. Yeah, agree. All of a sudden, Hermione is acting like this damsel in distress who can't get by without Hiram. And again, mind you, go back to season one. They were like not looking forward to Hiram getting out of prison. They were like, let's do this on our own. Like, yes, this is an adjustment to like living without daddy but like you know like both of them were like we might be better off without Hiram in our lives you know like and and so now the fact that Hermione is like I can't even function without him it's a total break from who her character had been in the past and I get that the, the justification in this episode was like I'm a mobster's wife and and if I don't have the mobster's protection then everyone's gonna come after me but like that has just never been on the table at all before like today well and especially because then we find out at the end of the episode so Hermione Lodge walks into an office and I'm assuming her may mayoress's office and there's the two fishes on the, on the <laughs> desk <laughs> trying to send the message that she's gonna sleep with the fishes which we find out is set from Ronnie because I feel like the main uh issue with that was that why wasn't she more upset with how did someone get into my office to do this it was more just the overall idea of it but didn't you think for a second that it was either Hiram or Ronnie because it can't be that easy to just get into the mayor's office. Well, and also Hermione has no other enemies. Like, 
Yeah. I know Hiram has a lot of other enemies, but like Hermione has no other enemies except I think Gladys Jones, whose drug equipment she burned, you know, but it's not even like right. Papa Poutine. It's like the damn, it's like the people who wrote Riverdale saw like a mafia movie once and they're like, I think I know how this works. Like, like and they're just like not really exploring like the, tr- like what would act like. And so it's just like, oh, maybe the mafia did it. But it's like, who, who are Hiram's enemies right now? Like, uh, who are, and who are Hermione's enemies? Again, Hermione's only enemy is her daughter's friend's her family. Mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Her family and her daughter's friend's mom, whose drug equipment well, technically her daughter she, if, if family was so important to her, technically she transferred her debt to her daughter yeah. to pay off. She didn't, she's not even taking the brunt of that. No, Hermione's a terrible mother. I'm sorry. She's like, doesn't give a shit. She, Hermione, I'm sorry. Her, she's a terrible mother. She and You're I don't, allowed to say I, this. I don't use that phrase lightly, but she has been just like never protecting her daughter from her murderous husband. Has nope. has like right transferred her own debt that admittedly was caused by Ronnie, but was just like you're gonna deal with this this drug king Gladys Jones who I'm apparently so afraid of and also was completely involved in the multiple times of almost murdering Ronnie's boyfriend even though now Hiram Lodge like water under the bridge Mia water under the bridge which is hilarious of the fact that he did all the he tried to murder her teen boyfriend multiple times but also Hermione Lodge knew all this stuff was going on and did nothing to stop it yes Hermione knew the entire time and she's just like Oh, I, whoops. Like, she kind of, did she even have a hand in exonerating Archie? No, that was back when the other person was still mayor, Josie's mom. Yeah. So, like, yeah, Hermione has just been, like, Hermione has not had enough to do independent of of Hiram, I feel like. But, like, the coolest thing Hermione did lately was try to kill Hiram, and yeah. and then even since then she's just been like this like sad little like weak you know damsel she's stronger Ronnie... than that we know that exactly like she has been an interesting character I feel like Hermione actually has been a very and Hermione and Veronica's relationship has been really interesting in past seasons but lately she's just been like yeah like oh I guess Hiram is the like she's like this standing by Hiram's side in a way that I that is like not at all in character for her. But then it also goes back to the lack of communications in the couples in Riverdale because back to FP and Gladys Jones where it is just very obvious that it is a Jughead versus his mother and every time she like, when she grabbed him by the back of the head and was just like essentially, don't fuck with me Jughead, you listen to her. If the fact that like how does FB not know when he's living under the same house that Gladys Jones is the head of all the Fizzle Rocks? And the head, I mean, like, he's aware of the fact that she now is in charge of the gargoyles, even though he's asking Jughead to keep down the gargoyles. But obviously it's Gladys Jones that is the head of all of this stuff. <laughs> and so this is another mother-son issue that it's it just over and over again where it's like, Jughead, stop fucking with your mother. She's a lot more powerful than you are. Yeah, I guess what one of the things that was frustrating about this episode is like so many of the women characters are really good characters and really interesting and like and Gladys Jones maybe being one of my favorites and in this episode they didn't give her anything to do and it was just like 
I'm just sitting on the couch <laughs> saying, stop messing with my drug empire. And FP's like, oh, wh- wh- I got no idea who could be doing this. And oh, they, all, <laughs> they all turned into idiots boy. once they turned, once they moved into Betty's house, you know? And, uh, you know, and so I feel like, you know, Hermione and Gladys like need more shit to do. And I'm like, I'm like done with Hiram. I'm not done with FP, but I'm like, no, I, no, I want no, more no. Hermione being more powerful and I want more Gladys and I want FP to get his head out of his ass and figure out what's going on under his own damn roof. And I do wonder, since we do know on the outside world, obviously, that Luke Perry passed away in the middle of them shooting these episodes, I do wonder if the idea that now Luke Perry is not there to fill in his role because now as we need to talk we need to talk about Archie <laughs> the fact that now he just lives inside of the gym that Hiram Lodge gave him which I love that twice in this episode people are like how'd you get this gym he's like <laughs> it's long story it's really not it's like oh I mean yeah this dude tried to murder me and like to say sorry he gave me this gym that now we can just all live in all the time and I do wonder <laughs> If anything in the plot in the plot line is changing because of the fact that Luke Perry is not there anymore. Yeah, I wonder that too because usually Fred is like the guy who provides the like reasonable grounding check-in of like son I don't know if you should be running an orphanage out of this gym. You know, like, I feel like that's, <laughs> that's the conversation that needs to happen and it hasn't happened yet, you know? Be- exactly, because now it's like, in the, so in the beginning of this episode, Archie gets a call from the Leopold and Loeb uh, det- Juvenile Detention Center and it's Mad Dog, and which I do love Mad Dog. I feel like Mad Dog just, he's got a heart of gold and he's got a just sexy sexy face i love 30 i want to kiss i love 30 year old juvenile incarcerated mad dog <laughs> he is so old and beautiful and now mad dog was still in the juvenile detention center still fighting for his life because all of the prisoner uh, prison guards are crooked and they were just going to which I don't know how the prison system works, but essentially they were just going to take all the fighters out of the prison and put them into in the juvenile detention center and put them in the big boy prison so that they can continue to fight. So does that mean that they were going to... Also, how many illegal fighting rings are there in Riverdale? We've got Elio's illegal fighting ring that is off to the side. We've got the fighting ring that's in the juvenile detention center. And then now we're also supposedly going to have a separate fighting ring in the private prison run by Hiram Lodge. I think that Hiram is like absorbed because the member L&L, they were all basically working for Hiram, right? Like Hiram was the overlord of the fight club over there, even though he wasn't the warden or anything. And so like... Uh, yeah, so I think Hiram has, you know, he's got his fingers in a lot of soups, and, uh... <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Is that the phrase? That's the phrase. Oh, no, God, my fingers are always hot. There are so many soups. <laughs> oh, his beautiful hands. Also, by the way, Hiram not using a cane anymore. Just, like, just on the brink of death, but now he's completely fine. But anyway, we can continue. Yeah, so... Uh, so I think that he's just I think that Hi- I think the idea is that Hiram is kind of, you know, the overlord behind essentially every institution in Riverdale from the, 
you know, Blossom Maple Factory to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy Convent to all of the prisons in like the entire tri-state area. Uh, And he just has, he just, he just is the dark boss of it all. I also kind of wondered too, Hiram Lodge must have a lot of extra time now because you've got Edgar Evernever taking over, you know, the cult side of things. You got Gladys Jones taking over the drug side of things. And now Hiram Lodge just has his prison. I wonder if he feels sad and lonely because he doesn't have enough fingers and enough soups anymore. And I feel like that's going to come back to get us. Yeah, I think he I think he's aimless. His mission in life yes. for years was trying to kill Archie. And now he's got no mission, you know, and so he's like, and now he's just like mad about things that he wouldn't even give a shit about. Like, oh, my wife tried to take my drugs. Like he doesn't, he, you know, he's got bigger fish to fry. He's got things to figure out. But anyway, back to Mad Dog. So Mad Dog calls up Archie and Archie's like, yeah, Mad Dog, I can make sure you get out of prison, which also just cut to the fact that like, so they sat down, wait, this plot, so this Ronnie was great. Calls. This was terrific. <laughs> so when Mad Dog's like, you gotta get us out, Archie. And Archie's like, of course, dog. Yeah, I could definitely do that. Easy peas. So we asked his ex-girlfriend, Ronnie, to get the governor into a room with him to sit him down and just be like, you've got to get these kids out of prison because, like, they're going to testify against you and you better be scared. What proof is there, number one? Governor Dooley takes care of the entire... It is paid It's paid off by so many different people. There is no way that he couldn't so easily sign, silence these teenagers because everyone that runs the town is also hiding this kitty fight ring that's going on inside of the prison. And the governor is direct, specifically paid off by Hiram Lodge, who we know has the desire and the capacity to hunt and kill Archie Andrews but his apparently he's like he now he's just like done with that for reasons that I don't totally understand uh and and it's all water under the bridge and yeah so so they threaten the governor the corrupt criminal governor and (laughs) the corrupt criminal governor is like okay I'll pardon 25 kids and it will not be a news story. There will be no like question as to why I'm like pardoning, pardoning <laughs> like <laughs> children, like just letting them go immediately. Like the next, you know, that day they're out. And I think it's terrific. I think that we should harass, we should, we should blackmail governors into pardoning more people. But uh, I guess, you yeah, know, it, apparently it, we're <laughs> doing it wrong. Just get them in a room and just like, like walk and I take my story to the news. <laughs> Uh, what does that mean? You, what does that mean? You mean your ex next door neighbor Betty Cooper, who runs the 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 high school newspaper? Is that what you're talking about? If you don't pardon twenty five people without any explanation immediately, I'm going to take this to the high school paper. And believe me, the high school paper is the only paper in town, literally, because the other paper literally. was run by a serial killer and somebody who's now a member of a cult. <laughs> I love this show. So all these kids are pardoned. They have nowhere to go. So don't worry. Like you said, he runs a gym slash orphanage now and everyone can just set up cots and don't worry about the money of how you're going to get all the cots and all that stuff. 
they're they're gonna figure it out. No, it's very boxcar children. You know, they just in every few episodes at Riverdale throughout all three seasons, they'll just have a whole squad of kids who need a home, and they'll just find a home yeah. for the kids, and they'll just put thirty kids somewhere. Is it in the Cooper's house? Is it in this abandoned boxing gym? And they all just just they work always it out. got somewhere. But which also is really beautiful. If you think about it in theory, it is really nice that like no matter who you are, you have a home somewhere. In Riverdale. (laughs) In Riverdale, baby. So, of course, the first order of business for these newly pardoned fighter teens is to join the raid of the serpents against the gargoyles, which they just straight up found out where drugs were being made because Mad Dog's grandmother and brother lived there. And they're like, we're going to take it down. Also, when did Kurtz become the overlord? It's like, he was like, when did he become like the Heisenberg of Riverdale? Like, when did all of a sudden, it's like, if we take down Kurtz, then all of our problems are solved. He's yeah. not the only cook in Riverdale. Kurtz is like 14, too. Like, I, lo- I don't know exactly how old Mad Dog is, but I do feel like he's at least 30. He's like so not a young person. Kurtz is like oh, the yeah. only actor in the whole show who is actually looks like a young person. A teenager. And, and he's like this stringy little sad emo boy. And they're like, he's the drug. He's the 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 top link we need to take him down fp's in this whole investigation don't in, don't interrupt fp's complicated investigation to find this like strung out child who is apparently the the new drug king like immediately under gladys jones also just keep checking out all the, i love that the fact that they changed the shoes on the telephone wire to just straight up gargoyles on a telephone wire subtle which isn't that just it's not it's not subtle whatsoever of like oh you want finder drugs look up oh it's a gargoyle right there it's like it's you what are you talking about you guys <laughs> and so their brilliant idea is for a group of ex you know fighting cons and the ragtag team of serpents that aren't ready to be on the streets to just bust into this big drug house and but what I guess my big question was and in the end spoiler alert of course Jughead and Archie and Mad Dog find Kurtz which they just leave Mad Dog in the hallway to defend himself against 20 gargoyles and they all have guns now because that's what Gladys Jones is doing she's bringing guns into Riverdale which is also not cool but then what were they going to do with Kurtz after they got him like what was the plan here. Get rid of him. What does that mean? If, if y'all are going straight, it's not even like you're going to kill him. Yeah, I mean, they've already, mind you, they've already killed at least one person, tall boy. Like, they're, yeah. they're not above killing somebody, but the whole thing is that they've gone legit the murderous teen wing of the but me also they're doing this despite the fact that f i mean that's not a surprise i guess but fp's like stop doing your rogue investigations and then they do a rogue investigation and they yeah i don't know what they were gonna do with kurtz like stop him i think that they think that they can just you know jughead and archie think that they can just sit down with anybody like they can the governor and just talk to him and be like stop doing this and then kurtz would be like okay "Okay." i've seen the error in my ways (laughs) it's just it's hard because, like, even in the scene with Jughead with the, like, in the comic book shop when he's trying to take down all the drug dealers, Cole Sprouse is the least intimidating person I've ever seen on a television screen. Next to Archie and Veronica. I feel like the three of them together, but he's just not 
He couldn't be intimidating if he tried. Yeah, yeah. Betty has that problem too. Betty's like, tell me everything you know. And it's this. like, or what, Betty? You know? For what? What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do about it, Betty? Which I did love. We haven't even talked about this whole I know. portion of the episode There's a whole, yet. I, we, this is the one I'm most excited to talk about. This, so we've got. Which I love when Cheryl called her Betty Snooper, which she should be referred to often in this show. Okay, Betty Snooper. Um, so Betty goes to Cheryl and was like, I want you to infiltrate the cult that is happening in our town. And I got to say, I immediately thought that's a great idea. Great idea. Great fucking idea. Cheryl because is there's strong. one person that gets... Oh, yeah, man. And she gets information from people. I she think it's does. just because people are wooed by how beautifully red her lips are. Because Betty Cooper is just so, um, she is not surreptitious. Is that the word for it? She's right. not subtle ever no. in what she's doing. No, yeah. And she's just like, I love Betty, but like, Betty's just like, tell me, you know? And like, and like, but like, nobody, she doesn't have any like, there's nothing scary about Betty, not even dark Betty. There's, no. you know, she just doesn't have it. Whereas Cheryl, she's very, she, she, you know, Sherry, Cheryl just puts people under her spell. Oh my God, I am under her spell completely. So she infiltrates the cult, which I guess, so the question that both of them got with their quote unquote cult interviews uh, is, it do you ever bite your nails very very uh scientology by the it's way it's very scientology i feel like everything it's without the e-meter it is scientology yeah. essentially and also i think that they use secrets as currency as opposed to scientology that just uses money as currency but also secrets mm -hmm. both but I think that so she's going in trying to figure out what Edgar Ever Never is up to, right? And what Evelyn Edgar Ever is Ever Never Ever Never. <laughs> God damn it! I just, I think I get it and then I lose it. Evelyn Ever Never, Edgar Ever Never. You got it. Can you imagine how many times they flub that up while we're <laughs> while filming this show? It's very difficult to say. <laughs> So you've got them going in, and of course the first question is, do you bite your nails? Which I, I'm assuming means that you have secrets that you're not dealing with? Is that what that's supposed to mean? I wonder, yeah. It seems like, right, That that's their like big symbolic question. I, I bite the fuck out of my nails. Uh-oh, you better stay far away from this fucking cult, girl, because you're going to get taken <laughs> in. Just like Cheryl Blossom did! Because they were giving her the opportunity to see and talk to Jason Blossom. Now, when she was having the interview with Edgar Evernever because she had her um, little mic inside of her spider brooch that Betty was listening to on some sort of old antiquated radio system, which also the serpents are also using a CB radio now, now too. Because again, like you said, living in that 1950s idyllic world... But like, and yet in present day, Betty has a live wire on Cheryl and Cheryl's like, how do you have this equipment? And she's like, my mom had it when she ran the newspaper, which is like, you know, yes, re reporters have like tape recorders, but they don't have like FBI surveillance systems. No. And especially that that minute that like Edgar Evernever wouldn't detect it on her person which I thought was very very funny they had no assistance with this she just immediately knew how to use it which I love it's Betty Snooper baby <laughs> I love Betty Snooper so she immediately gets brought into when you're following the conversation 
And they're taking their interview further. And she goes, what is this, a broom closet? And they go in and all of a sudden you don't hear from Cheryl anymore. Uh, because then we find out that she had seen and was talking to Jason Blossom. But I really thought they fucked in that closet. I thought that they were going to fuck in the closet too because she really likes... I thought they were going to fuck in the closet! She likes Daddy Edgar and he is like very charismatic. But right, we find out that what happened was that she saw Jason and we find it out because she comes back to Betty and is like, I won't, I won't work for you anymore. I've been converted, and I felt like such a fool because here I was about ten minutes earlier, but like, yeah, yeah, deputized yeah. Cheryl. Cheryl is the one person with, who can work with Betty to get to the bottom of this. And then, of course, Cheryl got got by Edgar Evernever. But we learn this very important piece of information that the farm lets you see dead people, which makes so much more sense of how they get people in. So this has to be Fizzle Rock related, right? It has to harken back to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy yeah. and the fact that they were able to see the Gargoyle King. Right. And now they are... babe. But how are they manifesting people that they had never met before? Like, this is... I, I mean, I know that... It can't just be fizzle rocks. It has to be something else. Is it hypnosis? Is it something that they're putting them under and like opening up their third eye so that they can see what they want to see? Well, mind you, speaking of the third eye, you know, Evelyn did give Kevin a mushroom brownie in the last episode. Oh, yeah. And he saw Midge, you know, who's dead. Oh, you're right. But not in an absolving way, in a like, terrorizing way but threatening way yeah. yeah so I wonder if it is because I went back and I watched that scene again with Cheryl I was like she didn't ingest anything he didn't give her anything it wasn't even like there was water or anything on the table mm. so how would you get it into them without having them eat something yeah and I was gonna say that this feels a little bit like a last minute uh so, like explanation Throw of the in farm there. like oh they see dead people because Kevin doesn't have any dead person who is haunting him except Midge. I guess he does, right? So yeah, there's a, yeah. there's enough people who died in Riverdale uh, that perhaps it makes sense that the farm has such, you know, such purchase, dude. And now and then talking with Alice Cooper too because she's right. talking to her dead son, right? Right? Yeah, and 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 that was a good. That so Betty, upon learning from Cheryl that the reason Cheryl is is has been converted fully and immediately to the farm is because she got to talk to her brother Jason. Uh, Betty gets her mom to sit down with her and says, "Mom, did you are you join, are you do you love the farm because they let you talk to Charles?" And Alice says, "Yes, that is why." Which is like which is pretty big makes sense makes sense. That's that's big information, but also it makes sense that. Um that Betty's older sister, too, would be drawn into it because she was in love with Jason Blossom, which I, so much happens in this show that until she brought that up again, I was like, I forgot that they were running away to go join the fucking farm. That makes so much sense. Right, right. I say good on you, Riverdale. <laughs> the farm has been in it from the beginning. Dude, it's, you know what? I was actually impressed by Riverdale at this point in time. I was like... I can't believe they are bringing back something that was actually pertinent information in the past. Although I would be curious if we go back and rewatch season one. If the I don't know if the farm 
was even remotely what it is now or or if we had no, any, no, I think no, it was no. just like an actual so I think that they might be doing some retroactive kind of uh, retrofitting of the plot onto the past and bringing it in but I say good on them though because like that is a, at least they're trying yes Yes, they are trying, and, and, and it's working. It. Honestly, I was totally sold by the end of this episode in terms of the the farm plotline. I did not love the raid plotline. I thought it was dumb. I hated it, but I hated it because I I really hated the braid the whole thing. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah, I hated everything that came down with Ronnie and Archie and Jughead in this episode. But the Betty Cheryl cult uh, plotline. I was completely here for. And although this was not one of my favorite episodes, it was very all it was all very pertinent information to rolling this show along. Yes, yes, it was. And I think right, I think we're getting somewhere with the farm at like with the farm plot line. Plot line, but then but then when it like in the very end when they can't find baby teeth after the raid and then they got the quest card that said that you have to defang a wolf club with the tooth in it, that they had ripped out Baby Teeth's tooth and sacrificed him to the Gargoyle King, or was he on a quest from the beginning to infiltrate the teen fight juvie part of the subplot? Like, I, I don't exactly understand, but I thought it was a little old hat to cut to the Gargoyle King at the end with Baby Teeth with his tooth ripped out. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, I mean... It was kind of like, you know, um, ma- the mafia tones of the whole episode, I guess. But but we've seen this before. It was nothing that like me, like shook me. It wasn't a good. They didn't stick the landing of this episode. Agreed, completely, completely. They should have like showed Jason Blossom or something like that. Yes. I feel like there there could have been something yeah. that they had done so that at least you question like, is it a hallucination or are they actually like. Lord knows, are they bringing people back from the dead? Yeah, right. Like, is it some sort of zombification yes. that they're doing, which also yes. would be fucking ursum sirs. Yes, that you're exactly right. Because, like, not for nothing, we don't even really know Baby Teeth that well as a character. Like, who cares? Like, he's like some care. random serpent. Like, I, I'm, like, really losing the plot with all of the serpent gargoyle ghoulie shit. It's, like, too... It really feels like they're just winging it from from week to week. I feel like it's going to come to a head pretty soon. Gladys Jones is going to come in and either take over or get the hell out of Riverdale. I really hope it's not get the hell out of Riverdale because I love her character. But something's got to happen with all these gangs. I want That's more Gladys. More Gladys, not less. Of course. No, I definitely want more Gladys. So this is so I feel like it was a very important episode for the overall idea of Riverdale but again the raid not my favorite yeah same agree wholeheartedly but thank you guys so much for joining us this week there was a lot of sexy in this and also I feel like TT is gonna have to come in and save Cheryl because there's no way TT is gonna be blinded by the idea of the cult there's no oh, way she's that, smarter than that this. would be fun yeah yeah that would be fun because if anybody has even a more solid head on their shoulders than Cheryl who obviously doesn't have a solid head on her shoulders but yet I trust her but I don't trust her anymore because she's been but swept up in the but farm but I do but, but I, I don't yes but I do trust TT I completely and I think she's gonna come in with Betty Snooper and TT's powers combined <laughs> they can do absolutely anything and also they can kiss me whatever they want <laughs> and I would be 
fine with it. Thank you guys again for joining us on this week's episode of Riverdale Roundup. It was season three, episode 17, The Raid. And, um... We're going to come back at you. I th- I think we have a couple of weeks off. Again, I think that this has to do with um, Luke Perry uh. and everything. Because I think that they have to rejudge because it wasn't supposed to be this break. Uh-huh. So, um... So we'll be back at you, and Lord knows what's going to happen with it. But as always, I fucking can't wait for the next episode. Yeah, whatever happens next, it's going to be big. It's going to be big. Where my daddy's, where my daddy's at. I love daddies and all the mommies. Love you guys so much. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. You can live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.